Welcome to the Beyond Devices podcast. My name is Jan Dawson and with me is Aaron Miller. We're going to be switching up our format for the next three weeks or so. Aaron's about to get on a plane this afternoon uh, for a trip to Africa and uh, will be gone for the next couple of weeks. And so today's format will be a bit different. Aaron is still here on the podcast, but we're going to record it in a slightly different order and I'll piece it together afterwards. Uh, And then the next two weeks while Aaron's away, we're going to try a couple of other things and probably have some guests or interviews and things like that. So stay tuned over the next couple of weeks for more of that. Aaron, why don't you just talk quickly about where it is you're going and why? Sure. So we're going to Ghana. We'll be mostly in the capital city, Accra. When I say we, I mean, uh, in fact, some business school faculty and students. Um, We go there every year for about two to three weeks. BYU lets out. Um, early in April compared to other schools. And so it means we've got a nice little gap before students go off for their internships. And so we we like to fill it with unique opportunities. And so we've been taking students to Ghana, Africa for about nine years now. <clears throat> we typically do consulting projects while we're there. Um, this year we're bringing master's in public administration students, master's in accounting and undergraduate accounting students and, and MBA students. And uh, doing we're doing consulting projects for different organizations. So they range, they're a bunch of different projects. We're doing one for a group that is serving disabled children in Ghana, um, another group that's helping uh, unwed teenage mothers. Um, we've got uh, two accounting groups that are helping an orphanage uh, and another children's organization update their accounting systems. And then we've got um, MBA students doing a consulting project for Ford on their um, emerging market strategy for West Africa. So it's it's really fun, all told, across everybody, we're going to have a little over 30 students and faculty there. So it's going to be a really, really fun trip. I'm excited to go there. I've I've been many times before, uh, but have been on a hiatus from the trip for the past couple of years. So this is a fun chance for me to get back there. Fantastic. Great. Well, that sounds good. Have a great trip. Thanks. What you're going to hear in the rest of the episode is firstly, my conversation with Aaron, which we recorded before he left on his trip. It'll be about 20 minutes worth of that conversation where it'll be mostly Aaron talking, sharing his views on Apple's earnings and on what he considers the big question, which is about long-term growth. After you hear that conversation between me and him, um, it'll be just me talking and I'll share some of my thoughts on Apple's earnings, uh, some of which I already articulated both ahead of time and afterwards in two blog posts on the Beyond Devices blog, to which I'll post links on the podcast website. Um, Specifically, my post earlier this week was about the iPhone 6 blip and how that's distorting iPhone growth numbers and how we should be returning to the prior trajectory after the next couple of quarters. The second post that I wrote was about some of the good news stuff that's in the Apple earnings, uh, which hasn't been covered as much, but I think provides some hope for longer term growth for Apple. So we'll return to both of those things after you listen to uh, Aaron's uh, and my conversation and mostly, again, Aaron's thoughts on the earnings. So we're going to talk today almost exclusively about Apple earnings. Um, it seems the simplest way to use Aaron's time while he's still with us today. And so that's what we're going to focus on today. We're going to dispense with our, our usual format and just talk through that. Um, so, and Aaron, I know you had some kind of big picture thoughts about the earnings before we drill down into some of the details. So do you want to talk about that a little bit? Sure. I, well, I, you know, I think the thing is there's one big key question that everybody is asking now. Uh, now that I mean, because Apple grew uninterrupted 
uh, you know, year over year comparison from 2003 until this last, uh, until just now this, this earnings uh, report. And I think the question people are wondering is whether or not Apple can grow reliably into the future. I mean, I don't think there's any doubt that they'll still see some quarters of growth. I know that Apple's expecting one with uh, some of its future product line upgrades, but there's there's a lot of question now about whether or not Apple can grow reliably the way they did for the last 13 years. I, I think I think it's a question that's worth digging into. I think I think it's the question that everybody is really truly asking when it comes down to it is whether or not Apple still is is a growth company the way that they've been. The the thing that's fascinating about their growth is two sort of anomalies. Um, one of them is the more recent anomaly of the iPhone six. I, I think the the changing of the screen size, especially with the addition of the plus line, was pretty out of the ordinary for Apple. And, and, and yeah, and you've talked about this and written about this before too, how it, it really was, um, was an unprecedented jump in iPhone sales growth compared to the history of iPhone sales. And, um, and so that's one of the anomalies that I think is interesting that helped Apple sustain its, its growth trend. The other is that Apple grew through the last business cycle that we had. I mean, when the economy was tanking and everybody was doing poorly, this was a this was just after Apple had released the iPhone, and so Apple was heading into it, it, it's it's pretty meteor meteoric rise in, in revenue growth. Uh, this happened in the middle of a business cycle, which was really remarkable, and it's the reason that we have uninterrupted uh, uh, quarterly growth from Apple since two thousand three. It's hard to imagine Apple, for example, surviving um, the last business cycle in terms of sustaining its growth trend. It's hard to imagine Apple continuing its growth just based on the iPod alone during that time period. And so these are pretty unique circumstances that gave Apple a 13-year streak of quarter after quarter of growth. Right, so 13 years included the kind of 2008 recession and everything else. And I guess Tim Cook's talked on the last two quarterly calls now about macroeconomic conditions and, you know, nobody's saying that we're in a recession yet. I'm not sure anybody could, could reasonably claim that at this point, but there are some sort of signs of weakness around the world. And it, it seems that's at least a part of why things have been more challenging for Apple over the last couple of quarters. So perhaps they're not able to weather some slowdowns in some of their markets today in the way that they did back in 2008, given where they were in the life cycle of the iPhone. Well, and this again is created this, I mean, there's a unique combination of circumstances I think that have made it hard for Apple to grow internationally because it's, it's, you're right. I don't think we're in a recession or or I don't think we're approaching one yet. You know, the way business cycles work, they've been getting longer and longer between each one. And so, it's hard to say when the next one will be, but but uh, <clears throat> what's but Apple's problem has been having has been the really strong dollar. I mean, there's not much room anymore for Apple to grow in the United States, um, which is a topic I want to discuss a little bit more in a minute. But that means Apple has to grow internationally. It's really hard to do that with a strong dollar because people have because it basically raises the prices for international purchasers of, of a U.S. company's products. And so, you know, I think that has had a lot to do with the problem. Um, and so, you know, I can see why Tim Cook is optimistic. I don't think it's going to be that way forever. Um, 
in fact, uh, I saw Jason Snell had an article about how Tim Cook used the word optimistic more in this one earnings call than he has, and I don't remember how many total earnings calls in the past. <laughs> I, I think he's obviously sending a vibe because he's trying to say, look, you know, there are good things ahead. Right. Yeah. And that's, that's key. I think I mean, I posted a, a post this morning about the kind of the bad news, but also the good news in today's earnings call. And, and I'll, I'll drill down on that uh, later, but um, you know, it's important to note kind of what the narrative is that Apple's trying to tell here, which is that this is a pause in growth. That was the phrase that Tim Cook used. And so, you know, they see Apple returning to growth. They're not being specific about when that's going to be, uh, time-wise, but you know they are trying to position this as a temporary setback rather than you know a fundamental change in the trajectory. So that's the question: is right. you know where does that growth come from, and and how do they get to it? I I do think that with their current product mix, the prospect of growing in the U.S. is pretty slim. I, I mean, I, I think Apple will still make gobs of money in the U.S., but I have a hard time imagining Apple growing based on its current product lines. And, and it's only because the smartphone market is saturated and the iPhone dominates uh, uh, revenue for Apple. Um, they'll need a new product mix. And whether or not that comes through major enhancements to the services business or it's the car, you know, whatever it is, Apple's going to have to be doing something different. And it can't be products like the Apple Watch. Um, it needs to be something a little more groundbreaking. Um like the iPhone was, um, you know, and, and I wouldn't write I wouldn't write off Apple and its ability to create those new groundbreaking products. Um, you know, they've done it pretty repeatedly um, over decades, and so it's hard to imagine why that would all of a sudden change. So, but but again, it's it you know the iPod was leveling off about the time the iPhone came, and mm-hmm. people were wondering if Apple was going to keep growing, and then the iPhone exploded. Right. And uh, <clears throat> Apple's growth, even though we talk about Apple having sustained growth during those 13 years, the truth is there were quarters where they barely grew year over right. year. Yeah, there was like and, 1% growth or right. 7% growth. Or, yeah. yeah, and that's, and I mean, that was in 2013. That was back in 2008, if I remember right. So <clears throat> Apple with new product lines, you know, there are definitely clumps of explosive growth in Apple's history. And, mm-hmm. and you know, the idea that this could happen with a new product is not un- that unreasonable, in my opinion. Right. Yeah, that makes sense. Yeah, the, the challenge is just the overhang from the iPhone. The iPhone is so big and so profitable and benefits from some really unique things like the ubiquity of smartphones, the, the subsidy and now installment models for paying for them, which makes it the more affordable than they would be if people had to pay for them outright and so on. Uh, th- those things don't really apply to most of the new products. They're either smaller addressable markets, they are more expensive products, they're products that don't benefit from installment plans and subsidies in the same way. There's all kinds of barriers, which means that you know if Apple is going to replace that lost growth, it's going to have to probably come from some combination of other products rather than a single product that's sort of iPhone-like drives them to some new level of revenue, at least in the short term. Yeah, I think that's true. I mean, the the thing is, the iPhone is probably only ever going to plateau as a product for years to come. Right. I mean, it's always going to be there and always going to be making a lot of money. And so Apple, to grow, you know, I mean, the, the, iPhone's, the iPhone isn't going to need replacing anytime soon as a, as a revenue source for Apple. I think Apple is going to be able to sustain that for, for years to come. 
so so whatever growth Apple gets will be from the plateau of iPhone sales, right, in the U.S. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Now this this whole conversation is just confined to the U.S. because I think the really big and and kind of more interesting question is how well Apple could actually pull off growth internationally with the iPhone. Um, you know, they've been talking about China for years, and they've had they've had some pretty fantastic quarters in the past with the iPhone in China. Not so much this last time. <laughs> In fact, uh, the iPhone didn't do very well. Tim Cook kind of qualified the the, the iPhone sales drop in China with uh, the observation that it seemed pretty confined to Hong Kong. Right. Um, and then also, if you if you adjust for currency, um, uh, iPhone sales in China actually only dropped about seven percent versus the twenty plus percent that they reported in the earnings column. So. <clears throat> the the problem though with China um, is that and I would and we should throw India into the mix too. I mean we should point out, you know, because Tim Cook specifically talked about India during the yeah, call he keeps yesterday. tying the two together, doesn't he, on these earnings calls, kind of saying that India is like China but just further behind. In some right. Ways. Yeah. In fact, I think he said it's about ten years behind. He said India mm-hmm. now is where China was in two thousand six. Right. And uh, the problem is in both of these countries, there is a lot more outside of Apple's control than what they experienced in the United States. I mean, we just talked about how the iPhone was, you know, released essentially into a business cycle, but that, uh, you know, into a recession, but that Apple was able to grow off of that. The problems in China and India are going to be a lot more complex. Um, One of them is going to be political slash regulatory uh, these are tougher markets to operate as an American business, right? And so there's a lot more um, there's a lot more political risk for Apple in both of these countries. Now there's also a lot more upside. I mean, there are over two and a half billion people between India and China alone, and you know that just makes the U.S. market look absolutely puny. So there's huge potential upside. Um, but it's going to be on the back of political stability. It's going to be on the back of economic stability. It's going to have to be on the back of a reliably growing middle class in both of these countries. Um, and it's going to have to happen before a local competitor can create a, a more compelling alternative. Um, and there are already signs of that happening in China where there are local Chinese smartphone manufacturers that are having a lot of success. Mm -hmm. There are kernels of that happening in India. Um, India is interesting because there's not even really LTE there yet. That's right. That's something that Cook referred to again on the earnings call, right? That they're just getting on that bandwagon now. And so that should be a driver of growth going forward. Yeah. But, um, you know, these are, these are bigger question marks than any of the question marks Apple had releasing the iPhone with into a U.S. recession, and so it so it's it would be unwise to say that Apple isn't going to be growing internationally, um, but it would be equally unwise, I think, to say that growth in China and India, explosive growth in China and India, are a sure thing. Now they could, they could happen. I mean, Apple's got. Up to, I guess they're approaching forty retail stores in China now. They're, you know, starting their India retail rollout, and so there's a lot. They're 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 doing what you know. I think, I think they're doing the things that you would expect a company to do to be able to grow over there. But uh, I don't know. There's just there's a lot more in the mix as to whether or not Apple can actually pull that off. 
Right, and and whether there's anything they can do to accelerate things too, right? So if you assume that Tim Cook's right, that India is just a few years behind China, is there anything that Apple can do to close that gap? In other words, can they accelerate things such that they don't have to wait 10 years for India to be like China for Apple? Um, And they have to get in there with retail stores. You know, LTE is obviously coming now, which, you know, is a less than 10-year gap, but still several years behind um, you've got the regulatory issues, you've got the strong local competitors that didn't exist in the same way in China when Apple entered there. You know, so you've got a lot of things that are different. And so a big part of the challenge is, is closing that gap, frankly, right? Right. And I have a hard time imagining that happening fast enough for Apple. I mean, to put that to put 10 years into context, the iPhone itself is only eight years old. Mm-hmm. <laughs> I mean, so we're talking about so we're talking about a period of time for India to essentially come up to where China is now, we're talking about a period of time that is longer than the existence of the iPhone right. at all. And so, yeah. so it has to be shorter. I mean, that's kind of my point is they can't wait that long. You know, that's, you can no. just know what the world looks like 10 years from now. So it has to be two, three years, five years at the most. And realistically, it has to be two, three years for it to be meaningful, I think. But it's going to be, but it, but I mean, we also have to remember the base on which the growth could be happening. I mean, two and a half billion people is a massive base mm-hmm. across those two countries, right? For Apple to grow the iPhone, to grow its iPhone business. I mean, mm-hmm. so even if the growth isn't as quick over a ten, over you know a two to five year period as Apple would hope for, it could still dwarf the U.S. market um, in terms of iPhone sales simply right. because the base upon which it's growing is so much bigger. Yeah, China's already rivaling uh, the U.S. In some quarters, it beats it just because the cycles are different with when people buy these things in these different countries. But right. India, obviously, population-wise, India is very similar to China, so you have that same potential in theory over time. And I think this is—I think this points us to one of the reasons Apple could. One of the reasons Apple has a huge advantage compared to sort of upstarts, local upstarts, is that Apple has such an incredible incredible supply chain expertise mm. and they have a massive amount particularly of offshore cash to do capital investments apple is in a unique position to be i think one of the very few companies in the world that could actually meet the scale of growth that's potential there and so 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 that's where i think apple does have the advantage over you know competitors in india and china is that Apple has the resources and the expertise to scale quickly, which they'll have to do to be able to pull off that growth. Right. So I, we started out by talking about Africa. Let's return there for a second. I know that you wanted to talk about the opportunity there as well. Well, you know, Africa has half of the 10 fastest growing economies in the world right now. There are over a billion people living in Africa on the continent. There, um, There's a, 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 a relatively rapidly growing middle class um, I think Africa is in the same way that Tim Cook said India is 10 years behind China. I think Africa is 10 years behind India in many respects. Um, and, and actually even with India and other areas. But uh, I think Africa is, it will be, I think, you know, 10 years from now, we're going to be talking about Africa or even shorter, probably we're going to be talking about Africa as the next growth market for, for, for tech companies, because right now there's just not that much happening there um it's it's definitely an afterthought of a market but uh as an emerging market goes it will be pretty desirable and exciting in the years to come especially because their population growth is still really rapid there right yeah i know you also wanted to talk about services revenue and and ipads as well quickly 
Well, yeah, I thought it was really interesting that services revenue actually beat Mac revenue for the first time. And, uh, you know, when we talked about Apple needing new products to grow, uh, it's hard to imagine services ever growing in the same way anything like the iPhone grew. But uh, I think it has an opportunity for Apple to, 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 to develop a pretty new and impressive revenue source. Um, ben Thompson had a really interesting post about about services as part of Apple's business and how it takes a, a sort of different culture and mindset to be good at the kinds of things that you charge people for when it comes to services. Um, but it's encouraging to see that Apple's watching that revenue grow. Yeah. And then on the iPad, you wanted to talk about the, the rebound, I think, that Tim Cook alluded to. Yeah, this is the one I'm, this is the one I'm really curious about because we've been talking about I mean, we've been talking about this since we've since we started the podcast, and people have been talking about this for years about you know what is the actual iPad upgrade right. cycle, because it's such a new product category. We don't know when tablets are actually getting replaced. Mm-hmm. And Tim Cook seemed to hint at the idea that the nine point seven inch iPad Pro is going to signal the you know the next upgrade mm-hmm. cycle. Um, Speaking anecdotally, I mean, I, this it, it was what caused me to, to upgrade, right. and I'm curious to see how that plays out. To see if we actually see iPad growth maybe start up again. Yeah, I wonder if the iPad Air uh, two at four hundred dollars is also another driver of the upgrade cycle. Because if you're on an iPad three or something like that, you know that starts to be a pretty significant upgrade, and you're only paying four hundred bucks for it at the base price. Um, you right. know, a little more if you go for a higher storage tier. But between the two of them, it feels like those things could drive some upgrades which will be interesting to watch and you know they it was they didn't mention a number but you know there was a uh, reference to you know best year on year compare in over two years which suggests shrinkage of less than eight percent um year on year whereas they've been you know in the high 20s summer quarters so you know it's a pretty significant improvement yeah it'll be interesting to see how that plays out in the next three months any last thoughts anything else you want to talk about briefly no, I, you know, I think uh, I, we got to just get back to the original question is, can Apple be um, a growth company reliably into the future? What's and the answer? Being tor- <laughs> I, I, I think we don't know. Yeah. Mm-hmm. You know, if you had asked me this three years ago, I would have said, yeah, right. of course, like there's still lots of growth ahead. But, it, you know, for Apple to grow right now, it's going to have to be through new products in the U.S. It's going to have to be through the right environment and and uh, circumstances internationally Mm -hmm. and there's just still that a lot that's up in the air in both of those regards and so we just have to see i i I think this is the first time that i would have said that in years and years that you know we can't say with confidence that apple is going to be growing a lot in the future so that concludes the conversation i had with aaron earlier today uh, before he left on his trip i'm now going to spend the next few minutes it'll probably be about 20 minutes again talking through some of my thoughts about all of this um, and really riffing off a couple of the posts that I published this week on the Beyond Devices blog. Uh, the main thing with Apple's earnings was, you know, there's no way around it. It was, it was a fairly ugly set of earnings. Obviously, there was some of that that was trailed pretty well ahead of time by Apple, including the iPhone decline year on year, the first one ever, obviously the first revenue decline in 13 years as well, some of which we talked about 
uh, in our conversation earlier. Um, but there were other things in there as well. There was, you know, max sales were down, um, and that, that, that trend line has been heading down now for a year. So each quarter, the year on year growth in, in max sales has been, uh, worse than it was the quarter before, and it's been negative for the last two quarters. So that was a big thing. Um, obviously iPad continues to be negative as well. The iPhones were down fairly significantly. China was down significantly as well. Uh, that's the greater China region. And so on the earnings call, it was made clear that that includes Hong Kong, which has its own interesting dynamics, uh, both because its uh, its currency, the Hong Kong dollar, is tied to the US dollar. And therefore, uh, when uh, exchange rates elsewhere fluctuate, it has a different effect in Hong Kong. Um, the other thing is that Hong Kong is sort of a clearinghouse for phones that go to other places. So there are a lot of iPhones that get bought in Hong Kong to leverage arbitrage opportunities. And when uh, the currencies are moving in the wrong direction, that uh, doesn't work as well. And so that wasn't mentioned specifically on the call, but it's my understanding that's part of why the sales in Hong Kong specifically shrank. Uh, mainland China apparently was healthier. So I, I believe the revenue reported was 11% down. 7% down in current, constant currency and the underlying demand was only 5% apparently. So there's some other effects in there too. So not as bad as it looked, but still China has been uh, responsible for about half or more of Apple's growth over the last year. Uh, and this quarter there were half or more of the decline, uh, at least from greater China perspective. So so that was another cause of worry. Um, you know, No particular strength evident in other products, which is obviously where the Apple Watch sits. Um, you know, margins pressured, ASPs for the iPhone pressured as well um, by a shift to lower tiered and, and older models. That's going to be exacerbated next quarter um, as the iPhone SE starts to bite and as the mix uh, shifts between premium iPhones and that new iPhone that's a good couple of hundred dollars less. Um, and so that will impact ASPs even more. And that in turn, of course, impacts margins because ASPs are a major driver of margins in the iPhone business. So there's all kinds of things that were, were not very pleasant. And, and Tim Cook was very upfront about that, talking about a challenging quarter. We talked about macroeconomic conditions, talked about currency uh, problems, which have been an issue for several quarters now, uh, but become all the more significant when Apple's growth challenge generally um, talked about a few other bits and pieces here and there, talked about an inventory reduction that's going to be taken in the next quarter. So well, there's lots there that people were worried about, and, and rightly so, although, again, the iPhone part of that was was predicted ahead of time. Um, so just to talk about the iPhone piece a little bit, and this is the piece that I published earlier in the week called the iPhone 6 blip. The key thing to understand here is that the growth rates that we're seeing now are obviously not happening in a vacuum. They're happening in the aftermath of this massive, massive upgrade cycle that happened with the iPhone 6 over the last 18 months or so. Um, the iPhone 6 took Apple off what had been a fairly clear trajectory for the year before it launched, which was one of slowing growth, where um, Apple's growth had been you know, 100%, then it was 50%, then it was 15%, and in the few quarters before the iPhone 6 launched, it averaged about 15%, bouncing around a little bit. Uh, but but landing there as an average, well, the iPhone 6 suddenly took it to a much, much higher double-digit growth rates um, for the period of about a year um, relative to the iPhone 5S. And, of course, what happened was once that cycle worked its way through and all the people that upgraded earlier, that upgraded, that switched because of the iPhone 6, once that cycle worked its way through, you were inevitably going to see a return to um, those historic growth rates. And... 
if you strip out the iPhone 6 blip, as I call it, from reported results and you extend out the earlier trajectory, where iPhone sales landed in this March quarter was exactly on that trend line from before the iPhone 6 launched. And the guidance for the next quarter is pretty much on that line as well. So what we've seen in reality is this bubble or blip caused by the iPhone 6 from which um, Apple is now recovering, as it were, um, makes for very difficult year-on-year comparisons, as Tim Cook keeps pointing out on these earnings calls. But more to the point, Apple's returning to its earlier trajectory for iPhone sales. And that was one of growth in the low double digits, sort of uh, low teens, essentially, and it was slowing. Um, and so, you know, what we're going to see is, you know, probably slowing of growth into the high single digits, sort of 7 to 10% over the longer term. And, and perhaps that that decline will continue. Uh, it's possible that things like the iPhone SE might start to turn that around a little bit such that you'll see a faster growth rate. Conversely, um, some of the headwinds like the installment plan-driven longer upgrade cycles in the US might actually slow things down even more. So um, the point is, though, that you know this, this decline year-on-year year is a temporary phenomenon as we get back onto that longer-term trajectory. And as we do that, then growth in the iPhone should be healthier, which in turn has implications for the overall growth of Apple revenue. So um, that's the positive as far as iPhone goes. No big surprise on the iPhone side this time around in earnings or in the guidance. But the key there is to look to the fall um, when you finally get past the iPhone 6 upgrade cycle and its anniversary. Uh, and we start to get to the point where some of those iPhone 6 buyers from a year and a half to two years ago will start wanting another phone. Uh, and assuming that there's at least a decent upgrade in it for them when Apple introduces whatever it launches in September, then that should drive a decent upgrade cycle. And given how many people bought new iPhones in the iPhone 6 upgrade cycle between two and three years after those sales, you should see a big bump in upgrades and you could see another period of more rapid growth. Longer term uh, over kind of the long arc of time, as it were, I think you'll see uh, more modest growth again in the iPhone line, probably single digits year on year. But that will obviously be an improvement over the decline that we saw this quarter, and we'll see again next quarter and probably the quarter after that as well. So that's the iPhone side of things. Um, the other post that I wrote this week was about some of the good news in the earnings. I, I went through some of the bad news just now in terms of you know iPhone sales being down, China sales being down, ASPs falling and so on. Uh, one a part of the sort of perfect storm that Apple's been facing is that all three of its major product lines have been in decline. And that, that's a change, obviously, in the case of the iPhone. But over the past year, it's been a change in the Mac, too, because there was a period of time where Mac revenues were actually offsetting uh, the decline in iPad revenues. So the two of those combined kind of canceled each other out. And that meant that iPhone growth uh, could drive overall growth for the company without too much of a drag from other products. The iPod's obviously been declining. Uh, accessories helped there for a while, but accessories are declining. The services business continues to grow. It's been the most consistent growth driver. And a big part of that is it's largely driven by the installed base rather than by sales of new devices. And so to the extent that the installed base is growing, which it still is, uh, that will continue to drive that services business. And that's something I'll probably come back to in a minute. As far as those positive signs, though, we've just talked through the iPhone 6 blip and the, the aftermath of that and why I think iPhone growth is going to return later this year. If you look at the iPad, though, um, there are signs of good uh, progress there, too. It's obviously still declining, but over the three of the last four quarters, the rate of decline year on year has slowed down. So it was in the high 20s. It's now uh, in the, I think, in the high teens. 
And on the earnings call, and, and we mentioned this in the conversation with Aaron earlier, um, Tim Cook said that it was going to have the best year-on-year compare in over two years. Well, the best year-on-year decline in that just over two-year period in the last nine quarters or so is about 8%. So that suggests that the revenue shrinkage in this June quarter will be less than 8 8%, which will be actually a pretty strong improvement on those last few quarters that I, where things were already improving. So there are signs that iPad shrinkage will be a lot less than it has been. So that's that's a very positive sign. The iPad's obviously been a big drag on overall revenue that's had to be offset by and therefore has eaten up much of the growth that's come from newer things that Apple's done. The Mac's obviously heading downhill, and there's no sign in the numbers that that's going to change. Uh, the positive thing is that pretty much the whole Mac lineup has been out of date, so it hasn't been updated for or upgraded for a long time. Partly that's because Apple's been waiting for Skylake processors from Intel to be able to build these new machines, and we saw the first of those with the updated uh, MacBook that came out in the last week or two. Um, you know, that's a minor upgrade to a minor part of the product line. But as the other parts of the product line get upgraded, probably over the summer, I'm guessing we'll see some announcements at WWDC. That should help get Mac growth back on track again and positive again. And so if you have slower Mac iPad declines and then healthier Mac growth, those two can start to cancel each other out. And maybe you'll even see some uh, net positive growth when you aggregate those two things as we have done in the past. So that would be, again, a big boon for Apple as it tries to plug the revenue decline and start growing in a positive way again. And, you know, because of the timing of those Mac product launches, which probably happen in the summer and the fall, the fall is again when you'll probably start to see progress there through the combination of the iPad and the Mac. Um, So that's another positive sign. Again, in China, the issue has been largely driven by uh, a, Hong Kong, and B, um, the iPhone 6 blip that we already talked about, those same things should start to go away over time. And again, uh, China should start growing again. There's other products like the Mac that Apple's been talking about, which are doing well there. have got the expanded retail distribution. You have countries like India that we talked about earlier um, that will also be contributing more to growth over time, especially if Apple can figure out the retail strategy that it's working on there. So lots of reasons to be positive there too. The other side of things is services, and I did mention this briefly just now, but services is doing better too. It's it's growing pretty steadily. Apple Music's an interesting component of that. At this point, they're on an annualized run rate of about a billion and a half in revenue. Uh, And by the end of this year, should be getting up to 19, 20 million subscribers if the current growth rates continue. And that's good for uh, almost $2.5 billion in revenue on an annualized basis. So uh, when you get to that point, suddenly that's a pretty significant contributor to revenue as well. Helps to offset the decline in uh, music purchasing in iTunes, um, you know, which was up to four billion a year at its peak, but is considerably less than that now. So you start to see kind of replacement of that lost revenue there too. Obviously, Apple Watch isn't a huge contributor to revenue, but again, in the fall, that will get an update right before the big Christmas buying season, and that that should drive healthier Apple Watch sales. And if the new hardware and software is really compelling, could expand the market. That's something I've been talking about where. I really feel like the the app situation on the watch as it currently stands is, is pretty lousy. Uh, and a big part of that's the hardware. It just isn't strong enough. And so as the processor improves, as the other chips improve inside the Apple Watch, 
uh, as it uh, gains some independence potentially through GPS and other things like that, it will become a more compelling purchase. And there's greater awareness now, of course, than there was a year ago too. So I think there's lots of reasons to believe that Apple Watch sales in the second half of the year, and especially in the fourth quarter, could well be stronger than they have been as well. So there are lots of things that are all lining up uh, to suggest that the fall will be the time when Apple returns to growth. Now, obviously, Apple only provides quarter-by-quarter guidance. They don't provide guidance further out. And so there's been nothing explicit on this from Apple. And in the meantime, there have been little hints here and there. So Tim Cook used this pause in growth phrase on the earnings call that suggested um, that it it was temporary, at least in his mind, but he didn't provide any kind of timing for when the growth could come back. Um, The... uh, the other tricky thing is, of course, it's very hard to predict some of these things, and some of that will be dependent on when exactly new products launch. But the fall does look like when growth might return again. Um, you know, last quarter we saw a huge emphasis in the earnings call on services and the power of the install base, and so on. I think that's good because, again, those things are not as cyclical as as product launches and things like that are. They tend to grow off the back of the base, and the base has continued to grow even as shipments have kind of gone up and down a bit in these key product lines. So that's a good thing, again, and a driver of growth. But I'm worried that the overemphasis on service uh, revenue is um, misplaced because that it's only a minority of the business. It, it was bigger than Mac, as Aaron mentioned earlier, this quarter. But you know, over the long term, there are other products that have far more potential in terms of revenue generation. Uh, but the other thing is the real narrative that Apple needs to get to is, is kind of the, the question that Aaron asked earlier, which is, can Apple still grow reliably? And I think that's what Apple really needs to get back to. Services by themselves can't do that for them. They need these product lines to grow. And so the narrative needs to be this is a temporary blip. This is a, a pause in our growth, as Tim Cook says, um, and that they will get back to growth again later this year sometime. And I think that's what they need to start hammering away at. I think that's what investors are looking for is that promise of growth over the longer term. They won't obviously just take Apple's word for it, um, but you know, Apple needs to demonstrate that that's the direction it's moving in and highlight any trends in that direction over the next couple of quarters in which revenue will probably still decline, although it will start to flatten by the end of Q3 most likely. So um, overall, an interesting set of results, as I say, lots to to uh, worry about in the short term, but longer term, I really feel like there's a lot of reason for optimism uh, and to believe that things will start to turn around later this year. Then you've got the very long term. So, you know, Aaron was kind of talking about Africa. That's clearly a longer term project for for Apple. Uh, things like the car and other products they might come up with are obviously longer term, you know, a few years away as opposed to happening in the next year or so. Uh, and that's a big question too. So, you know, longer term, uh, those things are... Uh, potential drivers of growth. At the same time, iPhone growth is likely to continue to slow down uh, as markets reach saturation point, as upgrade cycles short lengthen, especially in the US. And that will probably start to happen in other countries as well. Um, even markets like China that have been drivers of high growth in the past will hit saturation at some point. And that will happen with every market over time. The more markets that Apple can move into, obviously, the more they prolong that inevitable point when things do start to slow down. But it will slow down and they'll need the other products to really start contributing in a more meaningful way, whether that's the iPad, the Apple Watch, a car or whatever else it might be. So that's something else to uh, watch out for over time, I think, is is how that grows. And then there was this tantalizing hint by Tim Cook that 
Apple Music was its first subscription service. Anybody who's followed the history of Apple knows it, it technically wasn't because there are all kinds of online services and there's obviously iCloud and, and iTunes Match and so on that came before Apple Music. But I think what he means is first subscription content service uh, and that strongly hints at others um, and especially TV, which we've talked about quite a bit. Uh, it's interesting to see that he would kind of drop that hint and suggest you know something like that even when there's been no recent reporting that a tv service is in the offing so very curious to see if we see something in june at wwdc about that video service that apple's been reported to be working on but has struggled to get off the ground so that's another interesting thing that could make a meaningful difference over time and especially here in the u.s because it's likely to be a, a u.s only service at first um, just because of the licensing associated with with TV and video. And that would be helpful in offsetting some of the, the challenges to growth in the US that Aaron talked about earlier with uh, iPhone upgrade cycles lengthening and everything else. Uh, we've seen from Carrier reporting already, you know, T-Mobile and AT&T reported this week. We talked about Verizon briefly last week. You know, upgrades are far lower. Smartphone sales are far lower uh, this quarter than than they were a year ago, and that's just going to continue. So, new sources of revenue in the U.S. like a video service that's subscription based and can generate meaningful additional revenue will be very important to to creating growth here in the U.S. and justifying what Apple spends on its presence here. Um, so, those are all things to consider as well. I think that about wraps it up for me. Um, as I said, I'll post links to my two posts this week to. Uh, the podcast website so you'll have those and again for anybody who's not familiar the podcast website is podcast.beyonddevices and beyond devices is b-e-y-o-n-d-d-e-v-i-c dot e-s so it's a spanish domain name that, that makes use of the dot e-s ending uh, rather than a dot com ending so it's podcast.beyonddevices with a dot between the c and the e-s uh, and again, we'll post links to, to some of the stuff that we talked about in those two posts and so on here as well. So we hope you found this slightly different format useful and interesting this week. Uh, not often that we focus on a single topic like this, but while Aaron's aware of the next couple of weeks, we'll have some other interesting conversations. Uh, I have a couple of guests in mind, one of them already lined up and uh, some other things that I'm working on. So uh, even though the format may be different from what we usually do, hopefully it'll still be useful and we won't miss Aaron too much while he's gone and enjoy having him back with us again in three weeks time. So thanks for listening and talk to you again soon.